The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I want to continue today with our series, For God So Loved the World That He Gave. And today, we're celebrating that He gave us His Son, in fact, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So today we celebrate the coming of Christ into the world. The one whose birth we celebrate still fills our lives with wonder. And so no other figure who has entered into our world defines and divides human history like Jesus Christ. And so this coming Thursday, over a billion people on every continent will stop and wonder at the birth of Jesus, the one called Emmanuel, God with us. God is here. See, Isaiah prophesied Christ's birth in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Could Isaiah really have imagined how enduring and extensive the reality of God with us that God is here would become? That over 2,000 years later, human hearts would still need to hear the good news that God is with us. And as we gather in this season marked by our desire to get connected, it's about being connected with the one who came to connect with you and I. But do we really recognize that God is trying to communicate and connect with us, that he wants you and I to know that God is here. Can you imagine what was going through Mary and Joseph's mind when they began to contemplate what it meant that God is here? Could Joseph really have imagined what all this meant? I mean, he must have wondered. This name, Emmanuel, God with us, God is here. See, it wasn't written on a Christmas card with some catchy phrase or some beautiful picture, it, but it was written in the stark reality of human life. And as he reflected on the reality behind this name, Emmanuel, God with us, God was here, I imagine that there had to be a lot of things that he wondered about, a lot of questions in his mind. I mean, Bethlehem, it was the most unlikely city, the last place, Rome, Ephesus, Alexandria, perhaps, but Bethlehem? I mean, Bethlehem was nowheresville. People left this nowhere town to go somewhere. That's why it shouldn't surprise us that when Mary and Joseph couldn't find a room in the inn because it was so crowded, because all of these people that had left this nowhere place had returned. So why such a city? Why did God choose Bethlehem? What was God trying to communicate? He was trying to communicate that because it was a city so common, no city would ever be forgotten or far from God. No one would ever be able to think that their city was too little or too lost for God. You see, this was Emmanuel, God with us. God is here. But what about the place that Jesus was born? I mean, a barn? You know, nativity scenes with their European influence really don't depict how dark and damp this place really was. See, many suggest that it was a small cave, one of the insets on a hillside that allowed a little bit of protection for the animals. The trough was probably something that was just cut out of rock for the animals to eat out of. It was stone cold and saliva stained. So why such a place? Why not wait for a room in the Bethlehem Hilton to open up? 
Why not a palace or a mansion? See, many would look at the majesty of God's calling upon their lives and wonder as they find themselves in the midst of the mundane things of life. As they're walking through the everyday mundane things of life that they would need to know that God is closer than they think. That because it was a place so common, it was a place that would never be forgotten or far from God. Because there's no place that could ever be too dark, too dirty, too cold, or too lonely. That God's presence, after all, was Emmanuel. God with us. God is here. And his name. Joseph must have wondered about the name Jesus. I mean, it's simply the Greek form of Yeshua or Joshua. Really as common a name as there could be. Certainly not fitting for a king. I mean, when you think of the name of king, you think of names like Charles or Philip or possibly Richard. Parents choose names to set their children apart, but God says, just call him Jesus. Why such a common name? God chose for his son, a name so common that no name, including yours and mine, would ever be forgotten by God. No name would ever be insignificant because he is Emmanuel, God with us. God is here. And what about his appearance? I mean, Joseph must have wondered about his appearance, what he'd look like, because he, it wasn't likely that Joseph was going to see himself in this son. At least he could expect something extraordinary because this was the son of God. But no, just as God prophesied through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53, it says he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. It says of Jesus that he was a tender root that grew out of dry ground. Dry ground doesn't produce particularly strong life. There was nothing noticeable about him. Jesus was somebody that you could just pass by in the crowd. In fact, often he would pass and get lost into the crowds. In fact, on the night that he was betrayed, Judas had to kiss him on the cheek to identify him. So what was God trying to communicate to you and I? He was trying to communicate that he didn't come to impress us or to intimidate us, but to be one of us, to be with us. An appearance so common that nobody's appearance, and this should give all of us hope today, would ever be forgotten or far from God. There was nothing to distinguish him, so there could be nothing in our appearance to disqualify you and I. After all, he is Emmanuel, God with us, God is here. Perhaps Joseph wondered at the guest list. When a, when a child is born, one naturally thinks of who to call first. It's a proud moment, it's a time of honor, and we're told that an announcement did break forth. That for a brief moment, a multitude of angels could be seen or heard. Probably the greatest choir that the world has ever seen. Their audience, roughly four shepherds and 175 sheep. Not exactly the who's who of society. See, shepherds weren't just simple people. They were actually despised by the orthodox religious leaders of their day. The constant demands of the sheep made it impossible for them to observe all of the details of the ceremonial law. All the religious rules and regulations. See, there was no opportunity for self-righteousness in the hearts of shepherds. But they did understand one thing, the cost of sacrifice that was made for sins. See, from the outskirts of town, they had birthed, raised, and cared for countless lambs that were used in the temple for sacrifices. The shepherds who looked after the temple lambs were the first ones to see the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Their lack of pretense was perhaps their only qualification 
But Joseph must have wondered, why were the shepherds the first guests of the king? They were guests so common that no guest would ever be forgotten or far from God. There was nothing special about their social status to qualify them. So there could be nothing in our social status to disqualify you and I. Because he came as Emmanuel, God with us. God is here. Perhaps Joseph wondered about himself and Mary. Could any two people be more unlikely to have God involved with them? I mean, the shepherds must have been shocked when they took one look and realized that this is no king. This is no queen. They weren't even religious leaders. She was just a Jewish peasant girl who'd barely outgrown her acne in a culture where respect is given to those of age and wisdom. And to top it all off, she's hooked up with a guy named Joe, a carpenter, a nobody. Think about it. God is going to have dinner every night with this guy. The source of all wisdom is going to call this guy dad. A common laborer is going to be in charge of giving God food. See, the fate of the world was resting in, on the response of these two rural people. So why would God use two common people to care for his son? God used common people so that no common person would ever be forgotten or far from God. Because God is Emmanuel, God with us. God is here. But even more deeply, I wonder if Joseph wondered about the child's reputation. After all, they weren't married. I mean, think about it. What in the world is God thinking? Why didn't God choose a married couple? After all, it was God who fashioned the male and female. God who set forth the covenant of marriage. Marriage is sort of his thing. Nine months of awkward explanation, the lingering scent of scandal. It seems that God has arranged the most humiliating circumstances possible for his entrance. See, small towns do not treat kindly young boys that grow up with questionable paternity. So Joseph must have wondered. He'll be looked down on from the start. He may even be a social outcast. You're sending him into a world as an illegitimate child. Why? Perhaps because we all may wonder about our own legitimacy. See, sometimes I think from time to time we all struggle with the issue of, are we a mistake? We wonder if our existence really was intended. Is there really any purpose or meaning to our unique existence? See, we live in a world where deep inside we all fear becoming the outcast, where prejudice and popularity can leave us out. So why would such shame be cast upon the Son of God? Perhaps Joseph's mind would recall what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah a long time before that in Isaiah 53 where it says this about the coming Messiah. Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all see no doubt joseph knew something of his own shame that shame that we all struggle with from time to time that we feel separates us from god himself and in this tiny baby god himself would now bear his shame yes god would bear a shame that was so common that nothing shameful even could ever be far from god see there there lies the wonder to end all wondering. If you've ever wondered if God could be with you, if he could really be with 
you. You need to know today that you can never be out of God's reach. See, I want the world to be filled with God, but I want my world to be filled with God. For Christ did not simply come into the world out there, but to enter into the world right here. He came to enter into every crack and crevice of our human lives. And through his presence, our world became righteous again, because nobody would leave this event unchanged. Someone had entered their life. God was with them. God was here. And through his touch, the world was filled with hope once again. Perhaps the biggest surprise of all was that all of this was only the beginning. The baby would come to enter into all of the lives he touched. Not only that, but he would live, die, rise again for everyone that has ever been created. He came not only to be incarnate in this world, but in our worlds. He came not only to be born into this world, but to be born into each one of us. He came to give us life, allowing us to be born again as we offer our lives to him. He came to connect with us. He came to communicate with us that he is here. He is God with us. And because of that, no matter what you're going through or what you've done, we are never out of reach, never out of touch, and we are never alone. God is here, and he is here to get connected with you to communicate with you right where you're at. He loves you if you'll just open up your heart and life and receive him. So what I would like to ask you is in the busyness of this holiday season, to pause in certain moments of time, to pause and reflect that God is here. This morning as we were praying before we came out as a staff over the service today, as I'm praying, I just got this fresh revelation that God is here. God is literally with me. Because sometimes we think that he's out there somewhere and that if I can just find him, if I can just get to him and he's right there with you, he's right inside of you. So I want to encourage you just to pause and reflect on the fact that God is here, that he wants to connect with you, that he wants to communicate with you. If you ever feel like God is silent, you need to adjust the radio of your life to get reconnected with him because he's always speaking words of love and words of life to you. He's here. And because he loved you so much, he gave his son, Emmanuel, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting and abundant life. So I want to close this morning by showing you a video of his life and of his birth. And then I want to... This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Jesus!